Okay, welcome to Airtime, a Sky Review podcast emanating from skyreview.us. Don Jones along. I'm glad to have you here. Runway 13, runway 17, proceed to scout, air below 3,000, please take off. And on this episode of Airtime, I'm talking with Jill Shockley. We recorded this on location at Tyler Pounds Regional Airport, and we talk about a bird strike we experienced. Pretty nasty one right through the windscreen last November. Our individual take on what we experienced, a little bit of data from the track logs from the flight, the FAA's take on bird strikes, and a lot more. Coming up right here on Airtime, a Sky Review podcast. Okay, I'm talking with CFI Jill Shockley, and uh, she's a CFII multi, and I just learned an aircraft dispatcher. Really? Really. (laughs) I didn't know that. We spent a little time together in small airplane <laughs> cockpits, and turns out you're, yeah, that's fun. And also a fast team. Uh, they say rep or member? Fast team, yeah, fast team rep. Fast team rep, okay. And that means you're able to anoint people with the golden, <laughs> the golden elixir of the FAA. What, what, is that, what does that mean? Basically, we can go out and give presentations on different topics. It can be a topic of the audience's choice. It can be a topic of something the FAA says is kind of a really good-to-know item, Mm -hmm. loss of control, controlled flight in the cockpit, those kinds of things. So just something that's a really good thing for the audience to know, the flying public. And then you can get wings credit, which I'll talk about later. But wings credit kind of, I won't say takes the place of a flight review, but it's like continuing education for pilots. It's funny you mentioned that uh, presentation and, I don't know, the finer points of certain scenarios one might want to be prepared for. (laughs) One of the reasons we're here together is uh, we had one of those scenarios, didn't we, you and I? We did. All right. So my deal is, uh, I guess I've been flying for about seven seven and a half or eight years, something like that. And I've never hit anything bigger than a large insect. So (laughs) I've hit a bunch of those. I'm in that same category. Right? Right, yeah. Okay. Insects, bugs, men in black type stuff. And it's funny about the imagination, and we'll talk about what, what, what we hit in a minute, but my ima- I realize in retrospect, in my imagination, I always envisioned, well, I'll just say we had a bird strike, and we'll talk about that in a second, but I realized I always envisioned the bird would come through the propeller arc. True. That's just, that's just mm-hmm. how my mind saw it, and the propeller is a pretty good, you know, forgive me, food processor. <laughs> So it would just make a heck of a mess, right? And it'd be like, wow, that's uh, disgusting and awful and a little upsetting. And, you know, you wash off the plane and go, dang, and then feel bad because you killed a bird. But that's exactly not what happened to us. <laughs> um, so that fan up front, the whirling blades of death, as my friend calls it, uh, did us no good whatsoever in, in our in our little episode. I'll back up a little bit. You helped me get uh, prepared for my commercial pilot right. check ride. Which you were successful in passing. I was, yeah, right. I love, you, I love how you put that down with a gusto. <laughs> yes, I did. And we were out uh, working on that. It was November, late November. It was a beautiful day. Absolutely beautiful day, yeah. And we had done several maneuvers, some down low, and then had were actually had climbed up. Um, I forget, uh, what did you say? We were roughly... I'm thinking 3,000 feet above the ground, maybe 3,500 feet above the ground. Yeah, Yeah, we're somewhere in there. What's funny about the whole thing, uh, it's funny now, (laughs) is that uh, I actually had begun a a shallow turn, a clearing turn, to look for things. And we had been looking for buzzards, because we were seeing buzzards all the entire flight. Really not too many, a couple of seconds into that clearing turn, all of a sudden, part of the windscreen is gone. And it's really, really noisy. <laughs> really, really cold. <laughs> really cold. Just just like that. Normal and then not normal. <laughs> this red-tailed hawk apparently came in really from a very high angle and hit the top of the windscreen and took out the far left side of the windscreen. And even the plastic shielding on the left side post of the cockpit. Mm. I had a GoPro mounted there running 
it did not capture the footage because the uh, the data card got popped out in the impact. Uh, it sent the GoPro all the way to the back of the airplane. Actually hit the plastic surround behind the back seat, punched a hole in it, and then the GoPro landed in the back seat. So it popped the data card out. It couldn't save the video file. It actually was recording. I had it running at that time. I also had my iPhone mounted just below it on the same side. It knocked the iPhone off. I think the iPhone hit me in the chest because something hit me in the chest, right in the center of the chest. I had I noticed a couple few days later, I had a perfectly round circle right in the middle of my chest. And because my phone, it, it got knocked down and it landed face down on my kneeboard. So, so yeah, and the hawk landed in my lap too. Um, and uh, all I remember is just looking down and uh, I realized what had happened, at least in the, in the initial seconds, I, I was like, okay, we had at least, we had at least one bird or a thousand. And your headsets got knocked off in the back. Yeah. My headsets came off. And so that made the noisiness, you know, exponentially distracting, um, potentially. So I, you know, I just remember reflexively grabbing the hawk, throwing it down mm-hmm. in the, in, in the floor between us and, um, and trying to like assess what exactly the state of the plane was, you know, because it's so disorienting. I wasn't obviously I identified one bird, but I wasn't sure that was all that had occurred, you know. Right. It's funny about that too, you know, your reflex to to uh, flinch, your your eyes to close if something comes at you. And I've had experiences like when I'm weeding and and I hit a rock or something, it pops up. I've had rocks hit me like in the cheekbones and right above, you know, the brow or whatever. And it's always amazing, even wearing safety glasses or whatever, how quickly the eyes close. Like it's so fast. It's mm-hmm. just an instinctive reflex. And somebody asked me, he's like, what, what did you think when you saw it hit? And I was like, I didn't see it hit. You know, it's like my, my reflex to, to, I guess, protect my eyes. I didn't actually see it. It was like everything's normal. And then suddenly <laughs> there's a hole, there's wind, right. and there's bird and blood. And, and I was bleeding because a piece of the windscreen cut, the, cut me right above the uh, right brow. Uh, and you know how when you cut your head, it's, it's quite a mess. So that's... That's what it was like from my side of the cockpit. Now, here in a little bit, we'll talk about, um, I, I want your take, but I have some other data that I sort of discovered. I, I didn't actually realize I had it regarding our flight, which I found interesting. And some of the data I'm going to surprise you with a little bit. But I guess that's sort of my take. I guess from your perspective, what was your take from the right seat? It was really interesting because, you, as you had mentioned, when your he- head is bleeding or your eyebrow is bleeding, there's so much blood. <laughs> yeah. So I'm thinking, when I'm looking at the blood, not realizing, are you hurt seriously? Is it just a minor cut? My mind is going, okay, he's getting ready to pass out. What do I need to do yeah. to get this plane on the ground? And I'm actually thinking, do we need to do an off-airport landing? Are, are things that serious? So it was good because your focus and your eyes went straight to the engine gauges. And you realized we blew this windshield out, but we're still flying. We've still got this big fan in the front. Our propeller's still working. We don't appear to have any wing damage, that sort of thing. So that was good. And I remember you and I kind of talked about, you know, do I need to take the airplane? And you're like, no, I've got it. So at that point, I became basically the co-pilot. And I'm figuring out where we are, where we need to go, giving you headings, getting your headsets back on your head, that kind of thing. Just however I can back you up. With you being the fl- pilot flying, I, I do want to add. I think listening to you talk about that, I I remember your your assistance was tremendous because I can imagine how I would have assessed it had I been by myself, and I can I can pretty well say I would have thought about. In fact, I probably would have turned toward our home airport. I'm pretty sure I would have done that. And then I would have begun to worry about how to deal with air traffic control and whether or not I could hear them with all the noise. It, it You know, that, that's not the ideal scenario because, <clears throat> well, of course, you can squawk, obviously, and do all that, and then they'll know something's up. But, you know, in a way that adds a lot of complication that might be unnecessary. Right. So, and we were... It would have been further, a lot further. We were only right. about seven, seven and a half miles from Wood County, so that was definitely closer. And that was the 
<laughs> that was priority, right? And that was one of the things I think we both did right is we yeah. knew the area, we knew what was nearby. We hadn't yeah. specifically said, if we have an emergency, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. But we knew where we were. We knew yeah, when you, we you had ha- a few you, options. I heard you yell out, go to Wood County or, you know, that direction. I, I remember you, because there's a couple airports that are real close together there for people who aren't from here. But um, when you yelled that out, I knew you were right. I was like, yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's the thing to do. But had I been by myself, I don't know. Yeah. I might have instinctively went, okay, just go home. <laughs> right, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, because I mean, the airplane's flying and yeah. get, get the airplane home. And... But but we were close enough to uh, to where we landed. That That's, you know, because you don't know the extent of what's going on. You right. might be two birds went into the uh, engine compartment. I, I don't know, you know. Right, yeah. Whatever. You know, was, who knows? Yeah, it did. It, we did uh, keep our head about us. So... It was a red-tailed hawk. It turns out those are uh, protected and illegal to possess in any kind of form, even if you hit them with an airplane. And no, we did not hit it on purpose. No, we didn't. <laughs> no, we didn't. Somebody said, oh, you should have it taxidermied. And I thought, well, that's a good idea. I mean, I love hawks, actually, and so it was real sad to have killed one. But I called the uh, wildlife office here in town, and they were pretty adamant that uh, we didn't have the hawk. But they were like, no, no, you, no one needs to have it. It's a felony. <laughs> It's a felony to just have it. So, um, so yeah, so that, that, that kind of put that on ice. And I mentioned my GoPro was running my phone. I had several years ago had Cloud Ahoy on my phone, I think. And then I had stopped using it. And over the years, they have upgraded it. And it's got become a pretty phenomenal app for debriefing flights, right? And so I had four flight on my phone. It was running. It was track logging our flight. And... But it, it, I didn't really realize how substantial Cloud Ahoy had become at, uh, at de- deconstructing a flight and, and all the flight data. So I listened to various podca- aviation podcasts, and I would hear them as advertisers, or I'd hear somebody talking about them, or a flight instructor talking about debriefing flights. And there was one in particular, I don't remember who it was, but they were talking about the detail they were getting out of these track logs uh, in debriefing and whatever. And, and I thought, wow, that sounds really incredible. I'm going to peek at that and I pull it up on my computer because you use it on your computer browser and I did and I started going oh my gosh this is amazing because it puts it in uh, I guess Google Earth and you can like refly the flight it like puts you as if you're flying it again it's like you're looking at the aircraft so I started pulling different track logs in and then I thought of our bird strike flight so right. I had several flights since then but I thought oh my goodness I didn't it hadn't even occurred to me to, to look at that and I did I pulled it in and it's pretty fascinating because I wasn't using an outboard GPS. It was just my iPhone. So it was using the GPS and I guess the accelerometer and the iPhone. So when the bird hit, you can tell where it hit because it upsets the uh, GPS and the accelerometer. So there's a bit of this. Uh, there's some confusion in the playback of the data at that moment. So you can tell exactly where it happened, wow. which is fascinating. So I haven't told you this little takeaway because I wanted to uh, get your <laughs> organic <laughs> surprise about it. Um, after I played it through and just let it play through, and it was a very interesting thing to, to rewatch, even just being a, a basic animated recollection, you know, overlaid on Google earth, even that way, it was like, wow, it's pretty incredible. Actually felt some of the same sort of weird mm-hmm. sensations or even the, you know, next, next flight or thinking about the next right. couple of flights. The interesting thing I wanted to reveal to you, um, about that was after I went through that, I went back and went, huh, I wonder how long it took us to get the aircraft pointed to where we wanted to go. Like from the impact to we're pointed to our destination of uh, our solution destination, right? And I was surprised when I marked the time and then let it play through to where the heading is pretty well pointed at the airport we landed at. And I was surprised because my perception in just recollecting i was off a lot so so i guess it, just from memory how long do you think it took us to get pointed toward where we were going confidently under control going to our airport of intended landing to me it felt like it was close to five minutes just by the time we got yeah. our bearings back together we got the headset back on i set the gps we kind of pointed that way yeah so I mean, it felt longer, but I'm guessing yeah. about five minutes. All right. So I'm not including. So I'm not including the headset time. So to me, 
I literally, because I'm replaying, because it literally is showing the airplane on an overhead look, and then also you're looking at what it looks like as your like nap of the earth, right? Okay. So I'm looking at literally the nose is pointed to the airport we're going to. From the bird strike to that point, and there's a little bit of plus or minus a few seconds fudge factor because the phone gets knocked down and is disoriented for right. a couple of seconds, right? 18 seconds. 18 seconds? 18 seconds. I would have never have imagined it was yeah. that little. In it 18 felt, seconds. Felt like forever. In 18 seconds, the track of the aircraft was pointed toward the airport. Wow. Because initially there was like a still because I was making a left turn, it continued just a just a couple of seconds in that left turn and then banked back to the right toward the toward the airport. That's incredible. Eighteen seconds. I couldn't believe it. Which is a lifetime and not a lifetime. Isn't that wild? I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it's crazy. Totally crazy. Wow. Yeah, that yeah, was weird. And I'll show it to you. I haven't shared. The, I'll sh- I'll show it to you. You can replay the thing. It's 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 wild to watch. Yeah. I had no idea it was, yeah. I say that brief, but. I know. No, no, that's no. That's still 18 seconds. So you said five minutes. So I remember the headsets because we were flying along for a little while before I finally looked down and went, oh, my headsets are right there. Um, yeah, I remember we were trying to communicate and there was just so much wind and yeah. so much noise and just general, how's the airplane flying going on? Yeah, the, the, the hearing was, was, I couldn't hear. With my headsets back on, I couldn't hear what other traffic. Mm. I could hear sometimes hear them talking, but I couldn't tell what they were saying. Myself, I don't know yeah, if you could. Yeah, I could. I could hear you, and that was it. Okay, yeah, same, same for me, and that was that was a little bit interesting, <laughs> as you might as you might expect. I think, you know, after that, I thought because there's this whole theory about big, the big sky thing, right? Right. You know, it's like the likelihood of running into something else or something. Or that they see you and they will move. Right. Yeah. Totally. Um, and and while the the data is, you know, yeah, it's unlikely that you're going to hit something. It's really low. But once you hit something, <laughs> all of all of that data sort of is it's brought into uh, into a little bit more of a balance with uh, with your experience because you can't deny. Well, as unlikely as it is, it happened. Right. And so then the subsequent flights are like, wow. For me, the next flight was, I knew I had to get back on the horse. That was kind of tricky. Probably the next three or four flights where I really was seeing every bird in the sky, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even now, I, now I'm I'm still very, very sensitive, especially when there are cool fronts that come through. You get that, those, the wind and the updrafts. And it's that thing where the birds go play or whatever the heck they're doing right. in them. Yeah. But they're out there and they're up at pretty high altitudes. A lot of them. And uh, so now I'm really in tune with that. You know, okay, it's one of those days where it's going to be like that. Mm-hmm. So what were your thoughts about that in terms, I guess, safety or whatever? Did you have, did you kind of take stock of that sort of your perception of, of safety and risk mitigation? Or? I took a lot of stock of that. I did a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking. I made some phone calls to more experienced instructors than I to say, what could I have done differently as an instructor? What could we have done differently as pilots? And the whole big takeaway from pretty much everybody was, you guys landed the plane, you walked away. What more do you want? It's one of those <laughs> you, you, that you really, you, you can't avoid a bird. You can look for them and do your best. Yeah. But, you know, when you've done what you can do, sometimes things just happen. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, we did it right because... You land the plane safely. We, you know, we got on the ground. You know, we both walked away. You had minimal injuries. I had none. <laughs> so, but yeah, Monday morning quarterback, and I was the same way with you on the flights of, you know, yeah. one, for me as a pilot, I knew I had to get back in the plane. On the CFI side, I knew I had to get you back in the plane. And that was one reason the following week we went back to that same airport, because I knew we had to do that route again, just to prove not only to you, but to me sure, that we can make it safely. Yeah. Yeah, that was good to um, what we did was good. That, the next flight and that, that worked well. I did have one uh, one time I went out. I guess my last flight before my check ride, I went out by myself and did some maneuvers and things. And I wasn't totally comfortable on that <laughs> flight. I was I was a little bit you know uh, uneasy at times. But uh, anyway, it got better subsequent flights. And the weather was a lot different on my check ride. Birds didn't seem to be having quite such a party, and so. Uh, 
it was a little better. Uh, I think it was a warmer day, a little bit warmer, if I remember correctly. But so that kind of helps some too. Um, well, what do you have? Uh, you've got a lot of a lot of papers there. I don't know. I just had my FAA presentation and those notes, and then just oh, that's some, right. Some of my thoughts from this podcast today. Well, what? Yeah. So you did the uh, you did a presentation for the uh, FISDO. I did when I was applying to be an FAA safety rep. Part of the interview process was doing a presentation on a potential topic I might present to an audience. And under normal circumstances, it would have been in person at their office. But given this is 2020, it was done via Zoom. So when I had initially talked to one of the fast team managers out at the FISDO, he had given me a website and said, here are the top 10 general topics for the FAA that, you know, we see problems with or that we like presentations on and loss of control was one, one of those topics and the bird strike kind of fell right into that because you know for a lot of bird strikes especially in small airplanes you know loss of control accidents in, end up as fatalities because people quit flying the airplane yeah so i used the bird strike as my presentation for them and it was it was really interesting to get their take on it both from investigating bird strikes in general aviation, and then also just their thoughts on preventability, things to do differently, things to do better. So it was a very worthwhile discussion with them. Interesting. So it kind of fit into their wheelhouse of top, right, right, top right. subject matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I did want to follow up on this. There was some discussion about uh, filing a NASA report. I believe you did. I did. I did. did. Because of it being a red-tailed hawk and being an endangered bird, yeah. it was recommended we file the report just – yeah. So it was on record that we had not done it maliciously or on purpose. <laughs> okay. I didn't even thought, okay, that's interesting. Because that had not occurred to me to even do. Yeah, same same here. I I did not. I did call, I have the AOPA Pilot Protection Services. It's part of my membership. You know, they add a little charge for it. And you can call, have a team of attorneys if something, you have an issue. Right. And you can call them and go, hey, this happened. What do you think? And then if it's, you can just call them. Right on the phone, just like that. And if it's something that needs more attention, then they have attorneys that they recommend you to who understand aviation. Right. And then they can go on and do more uh, sophisticated uh, look into your situation. But I thought, well, you know, I don't plan on using their services just a whole lot in my life, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so I thought, well, heck, what's what's going to hurt from just calling up and having a conversation and go, hey, this happened? Is there, you know, because... What kind of legal things would you discuss about this? And obviously, it's a pretty simple scenario in terms of all the things that can happen in all of aviation, right, um, in terms of legality. But I had an interesting conversation with them, and, and they, did, they didn't name any names. Of course, they can't, but, and I wouldn't want them to, but they said there was a King Air. Actually, I think now I've seen an, a, a YouTube video out there somewhere, kind of a synoptic video of this uh, incident. Uh, King Air flying along. Uh, pilot, single pilot up front, passengers in the back, and something like a goose comes through the windscreen or the King Air, hits the pilot directly in the face and knocks him completely out. That is a good-sized bird. That is a large bird, and the closing rate was probably not something you would want to have happen to your head. I mean, that's a, what I don't know, at least, pro- I mean, those things can fly 50, 60 miles an hour, so the closing rate could be almost 300 miles an hour, yeah. right? Or more. Anyway, apparently one of the people in the back was a pilot of some capability. Comes up front and commandeers the aircraft and, and is able to get it down and land it. That's incredible. Safely. Man, that's so the bird strike thing can be. I remember seeing a safety like one of those. It may have been in one of those AOPA. Um, you know, the Air Safety Institute has videos on their website. And I think there, it might have been one of those. It's been several years ago, like a multi-engine taking off somewhere out in the desert. It might have been Phoenix or somewhere else. Multi-engine takes off, and it's, it's also a large bird comes right through. And of course, on those, you don't—it's not going to. The propeller arc's not in front of you, so that doesn't help you any. And same deal, the bird comes through and hits the guy in the head, and of course, he's got one eye swollen and bleeding, and he's got this multi-engine. He just took off, and he's on climb out. He was able to get the thing maneuvered back around and land. Okay, but. But yeah, but like you say, similar, I think, instances to ours are some stuff on record where that's happened, where they just stopped flying the aircraft. Right. Yeah. They, for whatever reason, you know, people on board didn't fly. They end up, you know, being fatalities. 
Yeah. But then on the opposite spectrum, you've got, you know, U.S. Airways that landed in the Hudson River yeah. as a big glider. Yeah. So, you know, they've shown it can be done. You've just really got to be paying attention the whole time and not be distracted and, you know, just be on your A game. What do you have there? One of your questions had been, what are, what are my personal thoughts in terms of risks associated with flying? And just as I've been thinking about this, some of my notes I jotted down were fly a variety of airplanes, open cockpit, gliders, whether it's a one-time bucket list item or you get an additional rating or whatever, you know, experience different airplanes, different capabilities, different, even op like open cockpits. So you get that whole sensation of wind to me, just that broad variety of experience adds that much more. And I don't know if exposure to potential problems would be the right way to say it, you know, and then for us, you know, utilize all your resources. And yeah. that was one thing when I was doing my FAA presentation is, you know, they were talking about, you know, single pilot resource management versus crew resource management. And, you know, those are also big topics with the FAA of most of us flying smaller planes are single pilots. You know, and you had addressed this a little bit earlier of, you know, if you'd been by yourself versus we were both there together as a crew, you know, what would you have done differently? So, you know, maybe walk through scenarios before you ever take off. You know, you do your passenger briefing, do a self-briefing of just kind of knowing what you're going to do if something happens unexpectedly. So, you know, utilize yeah. all your resources, you know, know how to work your technology, know where you are. Common sense stuff, but it's stuff that's easy to cross over because you're so used to going from point A to point B. You push the GPS and you get up in the air and you just are going along and, you know, you're not paying attention. So just always keeping your head in the game. And then one thing I found helpful after this whole experience was coming back and hearing and talking to more experienced pilots, pilots that, I mean, I've been flying about 25 years, but going back and talking to pilots that have been flying 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, hearing their bird strike experiences, just hearing them talk about how they deal with a variety of situations and just hangar flying in my book with reputable pilots. Don't just go hangar fly and just listen to your local blowhard. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you're going to, you know, listen to somebody, you know, make sure in your book that they're credible. Don't yeah. don't just hang or fly for the sake of hang or flying to hear, you know, oh, this is what I did or I pushed this envelope or whatever. You know, to me, be smart about it. And then I kind of referenced this earlier. Sometimes things just happen. You know, you can do everything right. And sometimes it just happens. And, you know, in our case, you know, we didn't do anything wrong per se, but, you know, it happened anyways. You know, and we were fortunate because, you know, the, the propeller kept flying. You know, it didn't strike the wing. It didn't strike the gear. It didn't cause a major problem to where we had to immediately land. We were able to make it to a close airport, you know, and get it on the ground. You know, we both kept our faculties about us, and we, we worked as a team. We got it on the ground, and, you know, here we are, you know, almost a year later talking about it. Yeah. And, and I think that's pretty awesome for yeah. some of the things, as you see on the different reports, it could have gone a whole lot of different ways. And, you know, we were very fortunate in a number of factors that things happened the way they did. Not the least of which is the hawk was killed on impact. And that had not even crossed my mind at the time of <laughs> dead hawk, hurt hawk, live <laughs> yeah. hawk. Yeah. But here again, talking with people after the fact of like, they're, they're like, you know, you guys were so fortunate that this hawk did not survive in any form. Although, as you say, it was very sad to see a dead hawk. Uh, I had a similar experience talking to even just non-pilots. They're trying to understand where you were and what you were doing, right? And the first person who asked, you know, well, what happened to the bird? Was it alive? And and that's the first – I hadn't really thought about that, right? right? If we had had a live, freaked-out hawk with that beak and all those talons mm -hmm. flying around in the airplane, there would have been a really full cockpit – and, I mean, you know, exactly. trying to deal with that in addition to orientation, there may be instances where that has occurred. That would be quite a quite an experience. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And probably be more bleeding before it's all said and done. One thing you mentioned there, um, the briefing, you know, right. briefing kind of what if, what mm -hmm. contingencies for. For whatever reason, I have become acquainted and or friends with uh, various former military aviators and fighter pilots and some test pilots later on. So pretty, pretty accomplished pilots. And I've been out on some of these people go out and do consistently do formation flights at a pretty advanced level. 
and I've been out with them several times now. And one of the things always interesting is how thoroughly they get together and they have a briefing in very detailed. Mm-hmm. You know, there's really kind of no stone unturned for it. Of course, they have also, you know, with that official formation flying, they have a lot of procedures that are learned. Here, Here's the process, right? Right. But the, the, the briefing is very thorough. And uh, everybody really knows or should know really once they leave the ground exactly what to do in all the scenarios. Which is interesting, and I think the the point of that is not exa- to do exactly what they do on every flight, but the personality of that, right? Professionalism, just a very professional kind of way of dealing with it, and that is sort of revealed also in the fact that once they land, they debrief the flight mm-hmm. pretty thoroughly, and it was interesting too because I remember the first time I had this experience, uh, the debriefing. I'm just in the back of the airplane, you know, holding on, <laughs> you know. Um, I did get to fly a little bit for one short stint as the thing everybody was spread out, right? But in the debriefing, I was also included in that. Interesting. As a, as a you know, as a number two in the number three airplane or whatever, they want that data, you know, right? What uh, what needs to be looked at next time, or something that needs to be worked on or corrected or what have you. So I don't know. That's that's interesting. And to me, I can do it better than I've been doing it, both as a pilot and as a CFI, because, yeah. yeah, you have your passenger briefing on the ground of, you know, don't talk while we're taxiing and, you know, maintain the sterile cockpit. But in terms of self-briefing or making that a separate briefing beyond your passenger briefing, you know, do I brief myself on, yeah, you know, we're looking at where am I going? Okay, you know, if I reach this point and don't have power, we're going to abort. Yeah. But do we brief other other stuff of emergencies of, you know, just the real life where it's like, oh, I've always been to Wood County. You know, I know where I'm going. It's not two hours from home, you know, yeah. nothing's going to happen. Right. So, you yeah. know, we proved that one wrong of you can be close to home and have a major situation occur. Is that the auto auto accident statistics? High percentage of the auto accidents are close to where you live. Exactly. You know, yeah. Kind of thing, similarly. Well. The, the other thing I found interesting, if I can keep blobbing, <laughs> is when I was doing my presentation for the FAA, they had me pull statistics from their website mm-hmm. on bird strikes. Because I'm thinking, you know, how many bird strikes occur? You hear about, you know, the U.S. airways that succeed, but how many overall, you know, bird strikes occur? And these are ones they know about, right? Correct. So yeah, you can because, say, well, it's it's going to be some some bit higher. Because here again, you know, and I don't know if you want to go into this, ours was not reportable. Because you and I right. talked about that afterwards of, well, who do we need to call? Yeah. And we went down the list of situations where one would need to be notified, whether it was FAA or NTSB. And ours didn't meet the criteria. Well, I know they have this this you know uh, bird strike thing. They I read the information on that, and I could have missed something, but it looked like the nature of those reports was really centered around in the vicinity of airports. Right. As you might, you know, you can. You, you, it's almost it's like a traffic intersection. It's like there's a lot of activity there. So if there's a bird problem. Right over there on the this side of the airport, we need you know we want to know about it. But ours, which we was, experience at our home airport quite often. Yeah, you know, absolutely. The tower will often yeah. give us bird reports. But out there, away from the airport, I thought, well, this is not. I mean, it's <laughs> at, right. at some random space, <laughs> some random place <laughs> in space. Here are the coordinates for a bird went by. Exactly. No kidding. You know. But yeah, according to the FAA, sixty-three percent of bird strikes with civil aircraft occur during the day. Eight percent occur at dawn or dusk. And 29% at night. So we were part of that 63%. 63%? Occurring during the day. During the day. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. 61% occur during the landing phase, descent, approach, or landing roll. 36% occur during takeoff run and climb. And the remainder, 3%, occur during in route. So we were part of the 3% of that. Wow. Okay. About 35% of bird strikes with, and this says commercial civil aircraft. So... Mm. Technically, we weren't commercial, but I'm using this for us. Occur at ground level during takeoff run or landing roll, and 92% occur at or below 3,500 feet above ground. Interesting. So we were part of that 92%. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it's interesting how we, some of these facts, huh. we were part of the very small percent, and some of them we were right up there in the thick of it. Yeah. Interesting. I had thought in my head to go try to look up some data and I just never got around to doing that. So that's, that's fascinating. Yeah. And that's just on their, uh, it's just on, on, on FAA.gov. Their, on their yeah. FAA. Just Gov. their main website. Just. Wow. So we, yeah, we're in the, definitely in the, uh, out on the feathered edge as far as the, uh, out away from the airport. Bit. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. 
I think, um, yeah, you just mitigate the uh, risk as much as possible. You know, it's that thing again. What what is it? The you, you know, when there's an emergency, you you whatever the training, you'll revert back to mm-hmm. the training that really went in. So I, you know, and I wrote an article on my on my blog about it. And as I was reflecting on it, I was thinking about the cumulative result of my past flight instructor and, and including you for that flight too, because whoever I am as a pilot is, is an accumulation of <laughs> their efforts. And, you know, it was pretty driven home, the aviate, navigate, communicate thing and the whole fly the airplane, fly the airplane, fly the airplane. And I always, I, I am naturally sort of a liability thinker anyway. And uh, some people are less that way. I'm just one of those people. I, I have a contingency plan for everything and a con- right. contingency plan for that plan. Um, so I've thought through a lot of scenarios. And most of the time, I, and I sort of parsed things this way as far as risk in the air is, to me, the really bad ones are a control service departed the aircraft, right? Or the thing catches on fire. Right. Those are really the ones that are like, oh, man, you really got to get your your swing at the ball's got to be right on for this one, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the elevator malfunction bit, you know. Right. <laughs> landing with the elevator not working or whatever, things like that. You can you can get it down there and land it. You're just gonna have to be creative about it, and hopefully it's not you know 18 gusting to 28 <laughs> or whatever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but but so that kind of thing, the fire in the control surface or something like that. If I've anything else, maybe I've got a fighting chance, right? Even the off-airport landing, bit. Right, you know, yeah. I think statistically those are there are a lot that happens when that happens. It doesn't happen a lot when the off-airport landing happens. Most of those go fine, right? Yeah. And, and heck, even a lot of them are, are a sizable number of them. The airplane's still functional, mm-hmm. you know, let alone. I mean, a lot of them don't result in fatalities, and, and uh, quite a lot of them don't result in injuries, even. Right. So you, so in my mind, I, I rationalize that to go, okay, there's a fighting chance all the way to the end, you know, just, just fly it and fly it till it stops moving, you know, right, that kind of right, thing. Right. So. But you bring up a good point because as a flight instructor, you know, it's easy to just, you know, for whatever reason, one is flight instructing, whether you're using it as a means to, you know, get to a larger airplane or a different career or whether you're going to be a career flight instructor, you know, you talk about law of primacy. I mean... You have no idea when you sign someone off to go solo or, you know, they get their che- their check right and get their license, what things they're going to encounter. Yeah. So to me, it has really brought home to me and reinforced to me the gravity of what I'm teaching and making sure, you know, that here again, you can't, you can't train every situation, but, you know, you can get it through their heads of, hey, you know, let me think through this rationally. Let me, you know do the kind of home study I need to or watch webinars or, or go to presentations, but just really, you know, make sure that they're a solid pilot. You know, you can't train them for everything, but, you know, I don't want to go home at night and, you know, hear about someone that had this accident that could have been survivable that was not. Yeah. And wonder if, was it something I missed or something that I glossed over that I thought they understood or we were in a hurry to get, get home and, you know, go have supper or whatever. You know, have, have I given them 110%, you know, whether I'm doing this as a career or whether I'm doing this as a means to an end, you know, for that hour or two that we're in the, in the cockpit together or on the ground, Yeah. you know, am I, am I doing it to where it might save their life one day? It's like a coalescing of the fundamentals and then just sound judgment. And it's interesting. That, yeah, the gravity of it is it's quite large, isn't it? It is. And it reminds me, you're talking about that. It reminds me of, I did some work with a, a doctor one time some advertising work and I had never done any work for a doctor and we had worked on some, some things and um, we were just kind of getting done and, and she was just sitting there relaxing. And, and I, I started asking some questions. I was just curious about that profession and I don't remember what I asked. It's been several years ago, what I asked her, but it led her to begin talking about in her career times that she had a patient die and just in a cursory way of explaining it, not that it's this way, but to say that her efforts failed, if you will. I mean, you, you can right, take that yeah. away. And uh, I won't ever really forget the look in her eyes when she said that, because I could tell the the way that weighed on her, even though you know it's one of those things where she did all she could do. Mm-hmm. But 
yet she still knows the uh, the outcome of those those people, you know. Right. Similar that, that kind of gravity, mm-hmm. or it can be obviously in, yeah. a, in, a, in an emergency situation. I, I, it's it's a huge responsibility, isn't it? <laughs> it is, and then just as pilots, you know, we got to be on our A game as well. You know, yeah. just not take it ever for granted. You know, so, like you referenced, I think in your blog of, you know, it could be your first flight or your one thousandth flight or whatever it is, but you know, there can be one instance that kind of turns it all upside down and. Yeah. really gives you pause for reflection yeah that that was that did i did reflect on that a bit because i i have flown enough that i had gotten pretty comfortable a lot of scenarios that you know used to make me uncomfortable it's like you know and um i was like wow you know that's it is that way you know it's it, because i here's the funny thing you talk about talking to pilots who have a tremendous amount of experience mm-hmm. and one thing that was funny is i ran across various pilots and who maybe have heard about it, asked me about it or said something about it. And they're like, man, I've been flying for 50 years and I've never hit a bird. Right. You yeah. know, so that's, that's kind of where that came from. It's like, man, you, you just, and the other thing, you know, there are pilots out there that have 25,000 hours and like never had an engine failure. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I remember someone telling me about a friend of theirs who had, uh, I think three engine failures in like a month and a half. Wow. Right after takeoff, all three of them. And Yikes. after the third one, they quit flying. <laughs> that's about a sign at that point. You know, that's kind of how they took it. They're like, maybe this just isn't my thing anymore. I'm done. Wow. Uh, so it's odd. It's bizarre how that works mm-hmm. out, right? I don't know what that is, but we're here. We are. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I don't know how long we've been going here. Oh, it's not even quite an hour. Okay. Well, we can wrap it. You, do you, if you huh? feel free to share whatever you want. Oh, I was uh, just if there's more. The FAA has, a, has well, a couple different resources for you. They have various social media channels, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. All are good things to follow. Also, FAAsafety.gov. You can log in, get a user, you know, your email. It's on file with the FAA and then get a, a password. That gives you access to, you can list your home airport and have a, have a radius. You can... Search by state, gives you all kinds of things, pre-coronavirus and post-coronavirus. There's a lot of in-person things you can go to, pretty much anything and everything aviation, you know, that you are interested in. But establish an account, any certificates you have on file with the FAA will already be listed as automatic information for you to go have courses on. You can also add things of interest to you. Like, for example, I have balloons listed because to me, hot air balloons are fascinating. So if there's ever a presentation on hot air balloons, I'll get a little email saying, hey, this thing is coming up. But right now they have webinars, they have online seminars, they also have courses you can take. They're strongly recommending everyone get involved in what's called WINGS. It's like continuing education for pilots. Yeah, you still have your every two-year flight review, but WINGS allow you to, you can take a course online and then go up with an instructor you know, pick your subject matter that you want to work on, landings, takeoffs, emergencies, whatever, cater to the type of craft you fly. And then you also earn different phases of wings. So you can do that with with online courses, webinars. These are going on across the country. So you can pick and choose something, say, from the Los Angeles FISDO, that's, that's a presentation, something from the Boston FISDO. AOPA has courses online, pretty much anything and everything good to know stuff, just really adds to your knowledge base. So, you know, if you can't find a course to go to for whatever reason in person, I mean, you can sit there for days on end, and instead of being a video game junkie, you can be a webinar junkie. You mentioned the AOPA. Uh, I do want to mention their um, uh, the Air Safety Institute. It's uh, Richard McSpadden does a podcast called There I Was. In fact, we could probably be on it. <laughs> wow. Because what they do is it, it's anybody and everybody. You can just send it in and go, hey, this happened to me. And he'll interview you. And it goes, it's just on there. It's the, literally the podcast is on, I, I get it on the uh, Apple Podcasts app, but search your respective podcast app you use. Uh, it's just called There I Was. And it literally is people talking about incidents or accidents that they experienced. Interesting. And he digs in, you know, and. He is really gracious, and uh, I actually hadn't discovered it until a few weeks ago. I went out to Santa Fe and did a, a spin endorsement in a T thirty four Mentor because I'm I gotta you know make it f- add some flair. 
That's, I'm going to add, add, add a little Warbird flavor. He can't just do it in a 172 like us normal people. I know, right? Um, the, uh, the place I was staying in, it was a little bit Spartan. And there was sort of supposed to be internet for the TV so you could stream things. And uh, I tried it once, and I was like, oh, this doesn't seem to be working. And I was like, you know what? How about no TV? And so I was looking for some podcasts, and I found them. And there I was. And uh, anyway, between now and then, I've listened to like, I don't know, however many episodes they have. I've, I've, I've caught up. <laughs> I listened to everything they have on there, and there were a bunch wow. of them. Obviously, the takeaway of hearing all of these different people and their experiences and how they dealt with them and recovered from them or whatever the case may be is got a lot of value. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. People have them pretty nasty engine outs, fires. I mean, one of his guests, it, 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 it's everybody. There's just private pilots with 200 hours or 100 hours, whatever. And then uh, Sean D. Tucker's on one episode. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He talks about the uh, time his, uh, he had a control rod end connector fail. I'm trying to remember what it was. The elevator. Yeah, he had taken off to do a practice flight in his, you know, this custom-built aerobatic airplane he flies. Yeah, the thing came off, so he's no elevator control at all. and he's That made life he, interesting. Yeah, he's from these wild, you know, uh, what, what is it, the uh, fugoid thing? <laughs> and so he flew the thing around, I don't know how long, trying to figure out if he could rectify it and save the airplane. Finally just decided he couldn't, and so then it became about, well, I can bail out, but I need to bail out and be able to get the airplane to go somewhere where it doesn't hurt anybody. Um, I think he was out in a pretty rural area, thankfully. But anyway, he talks about this on the podcast, but it's, man, it's pretty pretty harrowing. It sounds very intense. You know, he finally bails out of the thing, and it goes off and plows into the countryside, and he parachutes down to earth. But 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 it's every, it, there's a guy in, a, I think, a Cherokee 6 who had an engine out low just after takeoff and uh, kind of skeeted it down across a Walmart parking lot, <laughs> things <laughs> like that. So... Um, and obviously, these people survive these things because they're being interviewed. So it, uh, it's a it's a really good good lot of good information there. But I've always found the uh, I've got a Wings account, and uh, I go over there and look at it occasionally and uh, feel shame. <laughs> <laughs> I should do more with it. Um, we'll we'll have to sync up on that. Okay, and, and yeah. take some of those off if you're absolutely uh, if yeah you're game because I, I love learning. And I've beefed up my learning with this coronavirus of just yeah. how do I keep my head in the game. Right. If I'm not doing a lot of flying and right. it's right here in front of me and they're free of, you know, most of them are free of charge and, you know, a lot of options just to do your chair flying. Yeah, that's right. I've become a big fan of that, by the way. It's, I, I, probably do a whole, I could probably do a whole podcast just on chair flying. I find it fascinating. I, I, I found it really helpful. If I'm going to go to do something odd or unfamiliar or I haven't done in a while or new. So like when I did this spin endorsement, I'd never right. been in a T-34 in my life. I read a the military T-34 manual. I read the whole thing. And uh, and then I found the diagrams of the cockpit, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just poured over those, poured over those, poured over those. And then I, I chair flew it, like, in my mind a lot. Like, where is where are the flaps? Where's the gear? Throttle? You know, prop? Mixture? And all that bit. Just over and over. And it was funny, but at the time I sat in the airplane, it was like, okay. And I didn't really have to think too much about where stuff was. Which, they, were, they were probably very impressed that you brought that much preparation to it. I don't know. It was crazy. We did some aileron rolls, too. Those were fun. <laughs> it sounds fun. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. I think that airplane's for sale. You want to buy it? Maybe we could go in together on it. Right. Okay, well, you uh, let's wrap this thing up. But first, a, okay. a parting shot for fun. And you let a little bit out of the bag there with the balloon bit. I was going to okay. say, what's on your aviation bucket list? Well, when I'm really wired on coffee, I say a balloon rating. But realistically, probably finishing my glider add-on. I'm on the 15-year plan for that thing. <laughs> That's so, funny. Yeah, okay. I start, started mid-2000s, and so, and then I'd also like to get my, my seaplane add-on. Here again, just to broaden my experience of different types of craft. and. Yeah, those are definitely on mine. Um, balloons every so often, but... Really? At least get a ride in one, if nothing else. Have you been in one? I have never been in a balloon. So, okay, say, I've never been in a balloon either. I... Almost did it in Santa Fe. I, I saw it was I was looking for some things to do, mm-hmm. so I had some I had some free time. I, I added a couple of days because I knew I wanted to hike around and whatever. And there was a guy there doing it, but I don't know with the coronavirus thing. You know, they take up a bunch of people. They had these huge like plexiglass divider things in there, and I thought I don't know. And it was like two hundred eighty five bucks or something. Wow. And I thought, nah, I don't know. 
I was pretty happy after doing my T four stuff. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, my spins and aileron rolls and things, and uh, and, a, and a couple landings. Different scenario. I think I would have done it. Um, I'm not against it, but that's fascinating. So glider, yeah, same. And um, yeah, the seaplane thing. You know, it's funny, and everybody knows this because it's probably the same for everybody. Everybody I talk to, who's who's gotten a seaplane rating, they're like, funnest rating I've ever gotten. Had the most had the most fun doing that than any. And some of these guys are like former airline pilots, aerobatic pilots, former crop dusters. You know, built their own airplane. They're like seaplane rating, funnest thing I've ever done. Now that's where I was with my when I was doing glider training. Yeah, I just loved being up there. I mean, speaking of birds and gliders, yeah, I mean true. you feel, you feel like a real bird up there. I mean, there it is dead quiet. Yeah, and it's just so awesome to be up there and just basically be a bird. Yeah, and the wind just kind of takes you. But to me, that was just a really cool experience compared to your typical airplane with a propeller. Yeah, I definitely wanted to do that. I want to do. Uh, you have any interest in aerobatics? Ah, uh, I. In some, in some of my loonier times, yes. When I give, I thought th- you were going to say yes, but not upside down. I mean, I, to me, I would like to do it in terms of here again, just more safety and more training. Mm-hmm. Even if I never do it on a regular basis, yeah. Just have that extra experience beyond, as you alluded to on your T thirty four, just getting your you know your spin endorsement for CFI. I mean, to me, none of that is is a bad thing to have just a, additional knowledge and additional experience. I'm intrigued by aerobatics. I I, I really kind of like it a little too much. <laughs> Whatever that means. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks for joining me. You're welcome. Thank you for it, having me. It's a huge me. pleasure, and I'm glad you were in the right seat that day, eh? I'm glad you were in the left seat, because I can think of people that w- <laughs> would have panicked. And you, you, and you, to me, you made an interesting comment after the fact of you said you worked best under pressure. I, yeah. And, and I, I think that I really came into play and really yeah. served us both well that day, that you know, you got so laser focused that, you know, you had a job to do and, and you focused right in on that. And my wife would attest to that. You know, she knows she knows my worst faults better than anybody. And that she would definitely agree that because uh, because if things get too too laid back or there's not enough going on or I don't have enough goals. Right. That's when I get grumpy. If it's to challenge or something like that, I'm I'm usually like, OK, you know, or I'm being attacked by a wild animal or whatever it is. I'm like, OK, good. <laughs> but I think that was one of our pluses that day is, you know, you were flying, you know, as pilot and you got focused. So I was able to sit there and back you up, not have to worry about taking care of you and flying the airplane and doing everything else is we were truly able to work as a crew yeah, and take advantage of all of our resources. So it did th- go real well. All that yeah. to say, thank you for being in the left seat. Thank you very much. That's going to wrap it up here. Feel free to check out the show notes, by the way, skyreview.us. Over on the articles page, you'll find an article connected to this podcast. And the show notes will be in there, skyreview.us or skyreview.net. Also, subscribe to the podcast. You can do that on Apple Podcasts. Just search Airtime, one word, a Sky Review podcast. Also on Google Podcasts, same deal, and search Airtime, one word, a Sky Review podcast on Spotify as well. Or just put it in the Google. Thank you. See you down the trail. Four five Tango outside Hindu, two and a half miles on the ILS 13 full stop. Wind 1304, runway 13, clear land.